and welcome once again to the Howl on Speak podcast. As always, I am Rick. Paula is Paula. Hello, I'm Paula. Alex is Alex. Hello, I am Alex. And this show is one and a half to two hours of fun gaming <laughs> content, we hope. Uh, we've all beaten games this week, so that would be nice. Uh, one of us has retired again. We'll touch briefly on that. We've all been playing games because it's a gaming podcast. I mean, what did you expect? And this week we're going to be we're going to be talking AI in gaming. So we'll we'll see what goes on there. Um, chat GPT pun here maybe. It's my edit. We'll see if I think of something good in the next few days. Uh, and as always, we're going to finish off with an installment. The fourth, third to last install. No fourth, fourth to last. How does that work? This it's is one twenty-two. Then third right? to last. One twenty-two. Yeah, yeah. Three, yeah. four, five. There's four left. <laughs> so it's fourth to last. That's yes. how that works. Right. Okay. We have an installment of How Long to Be How Long to Be the game. game. Get me right while I'm taking a drink of goddamn water. <laughs> if you're not going to take the bait, I'm going to get you somehow. Goddamn. <laughs> Paula, tell us about your completion this week. Okay. So I don't know why, but I was just feeling like replaying the Oregon Trail. And. Uh, that is such, that that is it. That that's the whole thing. Okay, no. <laughs> um, so in this game, um, you're kind of like the I'm gonna say the leader of our group, and you have to like go, like cross the whole United States to get to Oregon. And the thing is, is that you can uh take decisions those decisions can be good or be bad or you can just be fucked by rng because that's that's a thing that happens so um this game actually took me two attempts to beat it the first one i was very close to it to to the end and i died miserably more on that in a little bit and the second attempt was the the one that actually worked so in the first attempt, I actually went with a group of friends from Studio Voyager uh, for the name. So, um, and decided to leave on April. And also, you could um, you can choose the background of your character. And mine was a farmer from Illinois. Uh, which, by the way, it affects some events on the game because the I think the farmer allows you to pick up uh, berries from the brushes you find along the way. The carpenter will allow you to fix your um, your wagon. And I don't remember the third one, but it had some effect also in, I think it was for the clothes, but I don't remember quite well. Anyway, so I was a farmer from Illinois that gave us a little bit of food and I went with a lot of recommended tips from the game, and that was a horrible idea. So I bought six oxen, like you buy them like by two. Um, like you have to buy them in pairs. You can buy them like one, only one of them. So uh, it was recommended to uh, have three pairs of oxen. I got the three of them, and I got a lot of food, a little tune. Uh, to no bullets and uh, other items that were like pieces to repair the wagon with. This first attempt started beautifully with one of the Studio Voyager members breaking their uh, leg, I think. And it was quite, a, a, it was almost a running joke. Like every 
one or two cities or like one or two uh, landmarks, sorry, the, the same character broke their leg. And it was like, come on, stop. And other characters had, um, I don't know, cholera and all things, illnesses, and it wasn't pretty. And the thing is, is that you have to manage the amount of food you have. So you could manage the rations and make them, I think it was like, um, filling meager or bare bones. And most of the times my meals were meager because I had to, uh, be able to survive until the next establishment. And I bought my, most of my food, another grave error, um, because I, another very, very, uh, bad error because the best way to get food in this game is by hunting. Like by far. And I think you use up like a day with hunting, but the amount of food that you get for your money, because you only have to use like a couple of woods for hand. And please no cat. Sorry, the cat was about to <laughs> walk over my keyboard. No, he's not a good cat. Okay. So um where was I? So yeah, the best way to get food in these games by hunting because uh the bullets are very cheap. Well uh buying rations of food is more expensive. And oh my god, that's cute. Sorry. And the um, like the too long didn't read of this thing. The first round stack, I ran out of food constantly. Um I had to give them bare bones meal, which let to them getting sick more often. We and that led to everyone being dead but me. And I got to the last mini game where you have to and this is the thing, I didn't know that it was a mini game because it says, oh you have to cross the river and every other time you have to cross the river it was automatic and it was a pretty much a roll of the dice how well it it went. No, in this case you have to uh like maneuver down a river and uh, and avoid all the rocks and stuff and then uh, find the exit and get out of the river and then you're in urban that didn't go well i drowned like ah. the the one hit an edge of the the edge of the river and i drowned so it was very miserable um on my second attempt i was a, a carpenter because one of the um main issues that i had is that my wagon kept breaking down and at several points on on my on my journey i had to like just to i had to just stay there until someone passed by and then hopefully they went to um trade for uh for a piece of like a, a spare part for the uh, wagon because I needed that to continue my journey. It was usually the wheel, by the way. And uh, I lost like many, many days. Like the winter came, I, it was awful. But in this case, I had a plan. I had a comfort there, so that wouldn't be a problem anymore. And also, I only survived by hunting. I had to hunt a lot, don't get me wrong. But uh, I was able to give filling meals to everyone, and no one got sick. Like I think someone broke the leg or their arm, one of those, and someone contracted cholera. And the worst other thing that happened is, oh, uh, 
Felipe because he was only one and two on my party. He started like, okay, we're gonna rest like a couple of days. But that was the worst that happened. Like Felipe was tired. Um uh, it through the minigame. This time realized it was a minigame and survived and got and arrived to everyone. And everyone was happy. Uh, lived happily ever after. That is my completion. It was a very short game, though an intense one, one uh, especially on the first run. And it is, it is available on browser. Like you can just uh, look up the Oregon Trail, and it's the. This is the actually the 1985 version, which, by the way, I think the How Long to Eat page has um, kind of like uh, the game scrambled in a way because. I think the the one that is listed in Halloween to Beat is the 1978 version, but the 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 game uh like the cover art is from the 1985 version. 1985 uh version. Does it make yeah. any difference? I don't know, but anyway, this is way too long for such a small game so alex take it away sure yeah oregon trail man that's the one that also i feel like i don't know the whole time you were talking i was like i don't my whole brain was like i don't know how to say any american states (laughs) like i'm sure there's a bunch of them (laughs) listening in right now because like you're saying and i was like is it oregon 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 illinois Illinois. I was like, oh my God. So sorry, Americans, if you're listening, you're listening to a podcast with uh, two people who live in the Americas <laughs> and a Brit. So we have no idea. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure I butcher like uh, the name of the states or like yeah, the name of the states. Totally I don't know. Correct. I have no idea. That's, that's my whole point. Um, not that and it matters. Also, sidebar, there's a beautiful irony that. Paddle has been playing the the Died of Dysentery game while she's unwell. <laughs> <laughs> the original anyway. hardcore roguelite. Um, all right, so it's a 4D uh, game. Yeah, that game's intense. Um, we played that all the time as, as a kid in school because it's one of the few games you can get on browser. Uh, anyway, so um, I beat two games. Really, it's one game and a DLC. Um, I beat the case of the Golden Idol, which have either of you heard of this game? Yes, it's um, yeah. it got a shout out by Luke, whatever his name is, the Curse of the Oprah guy, Papers Please guy. Oh, Lucas Luke Pope? Thomas, is it? That one, yeah. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. That's great. Well, it makes sense, actually. Uh, so, you know how I said I didn't buy anything in the Steam sale? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> bought something he in the lied. Steam sale. Yeah, well, just <laughs> afterwards. Uh, though it's, it's, this game is cheap anyway, but was even cheaper with uh, the sale. It's probably still on sale, but maybe by the time you listen to this, the Steam sale is probably done um definitely done it yeah. finishes on the 13th we're recording on the is 11th. that it okay then yeah then yeah. it's over by now but um anyway this game uh it's a point and click mystery um but really unique so it has this very like the only way i can describe it is like grotesque pixel art um where like mm. everybody's very like looking like Imagine the secret of monkey Island with like, it's exaggerated pixel portraits, but that's just like everybody all the time. And like, that's really what you're looking at. And it's like chunky pixel, um, uh, drawings. Um, and they're, they're beautiful and really fun. 
uh, but very chunky. And so the way this works is that you're a detective in a sense. Like it doesn't actually, it's not actually clear who you are. Like you're not really a character. You're just like engaging in these tableaus. And you have two phases. You have exploring and thinking. And the way this works is that you collect words that are in these scenes. And so you're capturing moments and it's usually around murders. Usually, sometimes there's other things that you're seeing. Um, and it's set in sort of like an alternate like 18th, 17th, 18th century. No, I think it's, yeah, I think it's the 1700s. Yes, it's the 1700s, so 18th century, um, I believe. It might it might straddle the two of them, but either way, it, it deals a lot with like, um, you know, like the sh like these shipping companies. And there is this uh, thing called the Golden Idol. And this is what you're tracking. You're tracking its journey um, uh, and my God, is it cool? So in the exploring phase, that's when you're looking at these tableaus and I'm not going to talk at all about the story because this is one that like straight up, you just, you just have to go in and experience because truly the joy of this is it all clicking because this is one of those, you know how like you play some point and clicks or mystery games and like by the end of it, you're just like, I don't really know. I don't really know what's going on. Like, for example, Immortality, as much as I absolutely so love that game, it's incredible, I didn't know what the fuck was going on by the end of it. I constructed an idea of what I thought was going on, but I didn't know. This game, without spoon-feeding it to you, you understand what happened, and it the way it clicks is so fucking satisfying. You feel like a detective. You're like, oh, that's what this is. And you're like, holy shit. And it, like, they give you just the right amount of information to fully understand uh, what was going on. So really, really awesome. Uh, to be clear, both sort of ideas are totally valid. It's just like, it's, it's fun to play a game that makes you feel like a smart detective. Um, now in the exploring section, they also do this thing that I think is just chef's kiss where, um, they're like recommended when you start, they're like, we recommend that you play with, um, clickable items highlighted because they, they've designed it so that all the items you can click, and all the words you can press are pre-highlighted when you start playing so that you don't have to pixel hunt. Now, if you want to, which I do not in the slightest recommend, uh, you can play without the highlighting and go pixel hunting. But that sounds to me like the stupidest fucking decision a human being could make. Mm. Um, and because the reason too is that the finding the things, that's not the point right? The point isn't struggling to find the words that you're going to use. Um, the point is that the finding of them unravels what's happening and develops your understanding. So I can't even almost rec like, yeah, zero, zero recommendation of playing without that uh, highlighted. Even if you love that shit, don't do it. I think it would probably actually ruin the experience. Um, and you'll just dislike the game and you'll have no one to blame but yourself. <laughs> That's my big intense warning. Um, and the developer literally designed it to be played this way. Like they said, like, please play with the highlighting on. Um, but they give you that option in case you're a masochist. Uh, now, in the exploring, that's where you're clicking through and you're like going to different locations and you're kind of in this, you're in a singular moment. It's like a moment frozen in time. And so you're kind of looking in this tableau and you're finding things. Then when you click over to the thinking tab, you're presented with a screen that has a number of different things. Sometimes it'll have uh, the faces of the characters in the scenes and you'll have a word bank at the bottom. And what your job is, is to place all of them in the correct slots. 
Now, you'll have separate slots though, right? Like the most common one is that one that I just mentioned. I don't want to talk about other ones because they get spoilery, but the one that is most common is figure out everybody in the scene. Now, the thing is, that's one section. And that one section, when completed correctly, it'll turn green, it'll say like all slots are filled in correctly. And now you know that information, which can help you to solve the other sections. Like one might say, you know, blank did da, 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 this to blank did da, 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 this, which resulted in blank, blah, 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 right? And so you have to fill in names, actions, objects, right? Um, into mm. those slots to figure out what happened in this moment. Uh, now, you can brute force it a little bit, not entirely. Like near the end of it, you can kind of brute force it. But I actually think that's by design because even if you're not actually sure how to have figured out like what happened, like you're like, oh, I didn't actually fully figure this out. The later puzzles are going to reference back and they're going to actually help you learn and figure out what happened. Um, so it's it's quite smart in the way that it does that uh, because I got through, there was a couple of them where I sort of, I slightly guessed the last thing but then later on, I realized, oh, that, oh, that is how that happened. Okay. And like, I was like, oh, I see. And it all sort of connects in. Um, and it is a mini game within it of like, which ones do you fill out first? Because there might be one that only has like four things that have to be filled in. So you do that one first, and then it helps you figure out this one and it's all connected, right? Um, but the clues to solving them are all in these documents and items that you can open up and look at and you can cross-reference and you can find all these things. Um, and it, it unravels this really like wild story. Um, that's very, very fun. Um, so yeah, that, like that is the gist of the game. Frankly, it's, it's a puzzle game where the puzzle is, uh, you know, figuring out what's happening based on a very limited set of clues. And it, it happens in this sort of chronology where you get to, you, you see this golden idol when it is discovered. The very opening is you figuring out someone who was killed, uh, to the very end, which I won't talk about. Um, cannot recommend it enough. This is a puzzle game for people who don't like puzzle games and people who love puzzle games. Because this is one of those games where I think it is so unique and so different um, and really removes all of that. Like, there's no moon logic in this at all. Like, this is not one of those things where it's like, oh, you have to, like, guess some crazy shit. No, it is all extremely logically constructed. And the logic is extremely like coherent within its world. Now, there are things in here that might not be like our world kind of stuff, but anything that is not, it is very, um, not necessarily, well, yeah, clearly laid out, frankly, um, and um, is internally consistent. So when you think you figured something out, you're like, wait a minute, I saw in the earlier scene that this thing happened. Wouldn't that mean that then this would happen? And the game's like, good job. That's great. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, sick. You know, like it rewards your, um, logical detective work. Uh, mm. So I think Rick, you would really like this because, like, I know you've talked about things like Phoenix Wright and stuff, like, and like disliking how, like, a lot. Like, this is one of those games where I'm like, no, no, no it all connects so perfectly together, and probably you'd love it too. Um, it's one of these games where I'm like, it's all so in, in like internally consistent that um, it feels really like it feels very satisfying. You know, you're like, yeah, okay, all this makes sense. Um, mm. And it's been it's been wishlisted. It didn't make the cut this time, but it will eventually. Oh yeah, I'm sure this will keep going on sale and stuff. And like, it, it, this is one that I'm like, this is one of those ones I look at where I was like, yeah, you'll probably play this eventually. Uh, it did make me think of Return of the Oberdin actually, where it's like, it's um, it's really kind of it's similar to that game in some ways, right? Like in that game where you're like figuring out what has happened and you're like trying to like solve and like put all this stuff together. It's it's a lot mm. like that. Just I actually think that Oberdin 
as much as I absolutely love it, is easier to get lost in than this one is. This one is a bit more, um, um, a little more straightforward um, to help you from feeling too overwhelmed. Also, the hint system in this is fantastic. They have a hint system where they're like, I really don't recommend you do this, but I used some of the hints and I actually didn't think the hints gave away much at all. But what they do is they like, you have to solve like a little puzzle and the puzzle is actually uh, reaffirming your knowledge of people and things in the game because you have to drag names to like and label things appropriately. Um, so sometimes mm. it's actually reinforcing your understanding of the game. And then they'll give you like four little chests that you can click um, that'll give like a sort of coded message that usually just guides you to the right train of thought. It won't give you an answer, but it will um, put you on the right logic path, um, which is often, which I needed a couple times. Um, also, another thing, this game really benefits from uh, frequent breaks. Uh, they even say it in the game. They're like, before accessing the hints, maybe you should just shut down for a little bit and come back. And I found that actually helped a lot. Like, I remember one night I like I I had unlocked a bunch. And then I was like, okay, I gotta stop because there's a lot of logic. I like slept on it, and then when I came back in the morning, it was just like suddenly it was all there, and I was like, I know exactly what I do. Um, so really benefits from that. Um, so that's the case of the Golden Idol. I won't actually talk that much about the next one because I beat also Golden Idol Mysteries, the Spider of Lanka. Oh, also it's a very short game. On how long to beat? It puts it around like six or so hours. I beat it in like four maybe. Like I beat it pretty fast. It's not that long. Um, it's a short game. Uh, Golden Idol, but it depends if you, uh, like, I'm going to be honest here. It, it, it depends on your ability to do puzzle games a little bit, right? Like for some, this game could be like fucking eons long. Um, but I think it, it holds your hand enough. And here's a nice thing. This is a puzzle game that I never, ever once had to go look for a walkthrough and it still felt challenging and, um, and enjoyable. And that to me is really satisfying because it, it meant that things were internally consistent and I didn't have to just go like fucking around the whole time um interestingly this one has a uh, a switch port oh yeah it'd probably be good on switch yeah like... i don't know i feel like this is the kind of game better tell me if i'm wrong that would benefit with from a mouse it benefits yeah. from a mouse big time i mean if it now if yeah, it's touchscreen yeah. supported on switch then it would be fantastic um it's not clear. It's got a very, very it's thin probably, description on Deku. Probably isn't though. Yeah, it's probably not. Probably if it's not, not, then I wouldn't. I would not do that. I think it would be tedious. No. Um, well, That's my minding also. Yeah, I think it would probably be tedious because you'd have to be flicking down to things. I just PC. It's so quick and fast, and it's just yeah, shum, shum, shum. it's a PC yeah. game. Um, Golden Idol Mysteries: The Spider of Lanka is a DLC they released. It's actually very cheap, and it was on sale too. So I was like, all right. And I'm usually I don't grab out the DLC. I'm super glad I did. It's actually a prologue, like a prequel to the game that you must play second mm. though, because it will spoil the game. Um, well, actually, does it spoil the game? It kind of does. It kind of spoils parts of the game. Um, and it's very satisfying to play afterwards because it actually fills in a little bit of information that um, is, uh, and it, it expands the world a bit. Like also, it's just like it's more of this game and because they're calling it golden idol mysteries. I'm like, please, for the love of God, give me more of these, please give me more. Like it's so good. It's one of those ones where I was like, damn it. It was only like two hours long. And I was like, shit, I want more. <laughs> um, but they're pretty complex and very layered logic puzzles. So I see why there's not a lot, you know what I mean? Like it's like this, this probably took a fuck ton of time just to get this part. Right. Um, so yeah, anyway, that's uh that's the two that I played. Um, and they're amazing. I these are like 
like they were 10 out of 10 games for me. Like these are as far as like the type of game this is, it's perfect. I, I have no notes. I am. Um, I, I have no idea what you can make better. Like, it's just honestly, like for me, it was a flawless experience. Um, also because it kept me in the game the whole time, you know, like I never had to go elsewhere, um, which is such a rare thing for puzzle games these days. Um, uh, and yet I never felt like uh, it was too easy or something. It was actually quite challenging, um, but they just gave me just enough to figure it out on my own. And it was so satisfying to figure it out on my own that I didn't want to figure out the things out. Like a game that I'll be, I'm playing at the moment. I've looked up tons of shit because I'm just like, fuck, where do I? Oh, okay, there we go. Uh, which Rick knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because um, mm-hmm. it's, it's fine, but it's not great. Um, anyway. That's it for me. Rick, speaking of you, why don't you tell us <laughs> what you're playing? Yeah, so I've, I've beaten two games. Uh, they're both games that I was on the cusp of beating last week. Um, I've not played a lot this week. Um, I've been here, there, and everywhere, but I have finished these two. Nuts is the first one. I thoroughly enjoyed this one. I think as a short experience, trying to create a feeling, give you a novel way of interacting with a game world i think it absolutely succeeds definitely glad i picked this up on switch rather than playing it on apple arcade which is where it originally was i'm not sure it necessarily is a game that very well suited that setup and in fact i I suspect it would have been slightly better again on pc but it's very very playable on switch uh again to reiterate for anyone who uh, can't remember a week ago or missed last week how dare you the game revolves around a loop of you setting up trap cameras and then watching the footage back to, to see what the squirrels have been up to, where they're hiding their stash, where they've come from, where they're going. The game has a very unique art style, which is both helpful because it, it contrasts the squirrel against its surroundings. It gives each area a, a strong sense of identity because the color palette shifts both day to night, but also from location to location. And for a game with a very straightforward setup and a very limited set of interaction options, it managed to surprise me a few times. It plays around with its concept and what it's asking you to do and what you're expecting from the the scenario. The story wasn't fantastic. It was kind of obvious the direction it was going in for the most part but again in terms of building an atmosphere and creating a believable sort of miniature pocket of a world i think it absolutely succeeded and i thoroughly enjoyed this one it's one that i played in sort of dribs and drabs when i wasn't playing it i was often thinking about it absolutely worth checking out had a a fantastic time with this one uh, the second one, not so much. So I finished the multimedium partially out of obligation. I have to say, in the game's defense, it does bring some more ideas to the table in the second half, mechanically speaking. There's portions where you are uh, riding animals. There's a brief um, passage where you, you're given a grappling hook. There are little fetch quests and tasks and things. The problem is the game is so, so pretentious. So it, it, it's, it's an artist who decided to put their art to a video game. There's, there's, no, there's no hiding that. And certainly the, the artist and the, the creative behind the game is uh, very upfront about that fact. 
but God knows they didn't need to be because it is it is brutally, painfully obvious, and it is very much to the game's detriment. Uh, I think the art's the art's quite good. There are a couple of points, particularly there's a, a collage world towards the back end of the game, which narratively has some some importance, but also just visually was very striking, both within the context of the game as a whole, but also just generally, I think it's a really cool look for a game. And I only wish that this artist had, had teamed up with a few people who who know how to make an engaging game and could have maybe given them some notes about having an ending to a story rather than just finishing up in a place, which is kind of what happened. And I, I that is a little bit glib. There is something that they were going for. But again, it's very, very wanky. It's very lacking in substance. It's a bit of a meringue plot. And I didn't like it. The 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 game itself is fine, TM, but there's a million better platformers you could play. And yeah. the the unique thing that this game brings to the table, you could get from looking at the screenshots on its Steam page. There's no reason to play this game. It's funny because it makes me think like I don't know if like I'm I don't know if the style is anything like this, but when thinking about games where it's like the art is sort of the first point, it's like it makes me think of the artful escape a little bit. Where like that was a game wherein the art was sort of the biggest point, but they got a series of people who know how to make a fucking game behind it. So it's like the game itself feels fun, um, uh, even if you can tell as you're playing it that you're like, well, the game part isn't like, it's not the first and foremost, most important thing. It's just that it's engaging and enjoyable. So you can actually engage with this cool art that they've made. And that's the rub. A game can lead with its art and its visuals. God knows some of my favorite games absolutely do that. That's fine if you're backing that art up with a gameplay. If you're not, what you ought to be making is a film or a work in a different medium. If if you're not going to back that up with some kind of tangible gameplay or player input, you shouldn't be making a video game. Uh, And this is an artist who, in the way that they did it, probably the video game wasn't the best way to do what they were trying to do. Which is a shame. This reminds me of my life as a theater director. And I can't tell you how many plays I would read that I was like, this isn't a goddamn play. You wrote a fucking screenplay. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And you want to do it on a stage. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, God damn it. Like, it's just like, stop mm-hmm. writing screenplays for the stage. Fuck. Just go write screenplays. <laughs> and, and speaking of stopping doing things, Alex, what, what's the game that you stopped playing, a.k.a. retired? Oh, yeah. This week. Um, there's not really an interesting story behind this all that much. Uh, I, I just retired um, Haiku the Robot, mostly because, like, I was I was, I was having enough fun, but uh, I could already tell. Like, okay, you know when, like, Metroidvania is like this, where it's like, you, you really have to remember the map right like you got to remember where you are because like that's sort of the point well i paused for a few days from playing this and i went and picked it back up and went fuck (laughs) i was like (laughs) oh shit i don't remember where i am and this is gonna be a pain in the ass so i was like yeah i'm good i also think i kind of got what i wanted from it i have so many metroidvanias out there that it's like i don't think i want to beat this one i think i just sort of wanted to play it a little bit and experience it and uh it's cute and seems kind of fun um but it's not really it wasn't really giving me anything um sort of special that i that made me want to like keep going um and i could already tell that i was going to get i was going to get confused um it wasn't always clear like where you can access things and i was like oh shit this is going to get 
this is going to get more annoying before it gets maybe better. So I'm like, I think I'm just going to bounce now. Um, plus I had two other games that I wanted to start um, and try. So I was just kind of like, all right, adios amigos. Um, but nothing really like superbly against the game. It just seems to me like it's kind of a, um, like a fine Metroidvania. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing like inherently wrong with it. Um, I wouldn't say that it's uh, bad per se. I'd just say that it's, it's, it's a little hard to justify in a world of just so many massive, massively incredible games uh, without a little something to kind of pull me in. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, that's it. Uh, still, if people, if you got that, you know, um, that Metroidvania bundle, I would still recommend trying it because um, the aesthetic is pretty wonderful and that might... Um, that might kind of pull you in though. That is also one of the reasons why I dropped it because I was a little worried in Metroidvania is oftentimes the environments are part of the thing that actually helps your brain keep track of where stuff is because the varied environments sort of, which is actually something I'll speak to in, in the game that I'm playing. Um, the environments give you this, like um, this sense of like, Oh, okay. I remember that part of the world because it looks like X, Y, Z, right? Like it's just another thing that helps. Um, whereas Haiku the Robot, it all looks the same. Um, there's obviously some variation, but like the color palette is entirely the same at each point, which isn't always a problem, right? Like Gato Roboto is like that, but that's a very small game. And this one I actually think is a little bit bigger. Like I was looking at the map and I was like, oh, this is, uh-oh, this is kind of big. And this might um, become a bit of a, a beige blob for me as I go through. So yeah, uh, at the moment where I retired it, it was hovering around like a pretty, a pretty solid and like confident um, sort of seven-ish for me. Um, but I think that's probably where it sits. It's, it's like a seven hour game, um, which might be a little long for what it's got there. Um, and it's combat is like the same all the time, pretty much, um, which eh, is what it is. Um, Anyway, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on it. Um, have, have you played this one, Rick, or are you just interested in playing this one? Demo I've played. Mm. Game I would like to play. It, it's very, very low priority. I've got it wishlisted on Switch and on Steam, um, but it, it will have to get pretty heavily discounted before I take the plunge again. There's a million games like it, unfortunately, and oh. it, it's what I played of it was fun. The demo yeah. was solid, but there wasn't something that made me think I have to play this now. Yeah. And I mean, off the top of my head, I've got Kunai that I got free from Amazon to play. Um, I've got um, Flint Hook that I desperately want to play. Oh yeah. Me too. I got to play that. Um, yeah. I've, I've started it twice and thoroughly enjoyed it both times and then just stopped both times. And I couldn't possibly tell you why. I mean, even in the latest steam sale, um, I picked up Rusted Moss, which looks phenomenal, and it's got a couple of unique things that it's doing that make me want to jump into it. And there, there just isn't anything like that in Haiku the Robot that makes it a, a must-play now. It's a might-play someday. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, well, why don't we jump into uh, what we've all, what we're all playing? Yeah. And I'll do that really quickly because I've got almost nothing to say. Oh, right. So I, I've. <laughs> I've had a busy, busy week. So it, in a very unusual term for me, I've got almost no progress on any of my playing games, obviously outside the two I've completed. Um, I have not carried on playing any of the following. 
Final Fantasy VII Remake for PS4, Radiant Historia for DS, Klonoa Moonlight Museum for Wonderswan by way of an emulator on the PSP, uh, or Jack Bros on Virtual Boy, although I have done a little bit of Googling on that one, and it looks like I'm actually 60% of the way through the game, so I, I'm pretty confident that will be beaten by the time we next talk. The two games that I have made some progress with um, are, firstly, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe for PS2. This game is pretty dog shit. It hurts to admit, but it is actually quite <laughs> shit. But I'm really enjoying it. So, case What in a point, turnaround last... from last week. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It, it's great for me because I right, have a, a, right. a nostalgic connection to this game. If you're coming to this as just a video game, you will not have a good time. I'm, I'm <laughs> pretty certain of that. There, there's a couple of things that we've just had to go and watch a long play of to work out what the game actually expected us to do. Um, there, there's a degree of jank in the most recent bit we played. There was a stealth mission, uh, or, or at least a, a portion of the mission that was stealth. And it barely qualified as stealth. And what you're actually expected to do, and this wasn't very clear initially, is use one of the character's abilities to, assuming you destroyed this random bit of scenery, if you hadn't, you wouldn't necessarily spot it, but use this ability to highlight a special spot on the ground where you can play a Sleepy Go Bye Bye song on the panpipes. And you have to do that when the guard is close enough that it will hit them. And then you have to get the fuck on, but not too far on because then you might cross the threshold of a different guard. Instead, you have to wait and fire arrows at the top of his tent until he decides he might turn around and take a look at the tent for a minute. And then you can run on. It, it's dumb. It's dumb. It's really, really dumb. But Jesus. because I've got nostalgia for it, and especially in co-op, it is a reasonably okay time. And I'm pretty confident that we'll finish it because we're on level 12 or 15, I believe, now. So there's not a lot left to do. But God loves us for doing it. And then <laughs> one... <laughs> and then one new game that i've just started um and i've, I've literally just started I've, i can't have played more than 10 minutes so i've not got too much to say about it yet um a little 2d roguelike called revita on switch this is a somewhat novel spin on the roguelite formula its thing is that to get upgrades you have to trade portions of your life bar so you might have four hearts and you get to a shrine and there are different rewards you can get for trading half a heart, one full heart, two full hearts. As you defeat enemies, you fill a gauge that you can then use to do a move to generate more health. So there's a, a constant risk reward of how much do I think I can manage to avoid taking hits and is it worth that extra challenge for the upgrade that i'm going to get initial impressions are the pixel art is brilliant uh not sort of 10 out of 10 earth shaking but really really good combat feels fluid i'm not necessarily sure that the twin sticks of the switch are the happiest way to play it but time will tell we'll see how that goes and there's there's even in this early stage little hints at a little bit more of a story which will be I hope revealed as I play more, but early signs are very, very positive, which is a relief because I, I picked this up on a whim months and months and months ago. And only now am I starting to play it. So 
I feel like past me might have made a good impulse choice, but we'll see. That's it. Paolo, go ahead. Tell us about what you've got going on. Okay, so the start of this gaming week, it started with a tragedy, a scared. Uh, it was that I I drew mm. my copy of my my Omega Flash Drive and my save for Pokemon Emerald was corrupted. Uh, and that was a 24-hour save at that point. So that made me very, very sad. So instead of being a normal person and just taking the loss and saying, hey, maybe this is a time for me to retire the game, maybe I should play other games that are in my backlog, I went ahead and started to look into the problem and see if I could do anything to fix it or to recover my save. And there was a, a way to do it. First of all, I needed to move the save to my PC and get a PK hex, which is usually a tool for hacking on games and like kind of like creating Pokemon for competitive play back in the day. And it is still being used today, though for new it is used for like all of the Pokemon games, I think. Like you can generate any Pokemon that you want for the game and you can check if it's legal and all that stuff. In this case, I was able to check, first of all, if my save file was truly beyond saving, which thank God it wasn't. Because I was able to look at the Pokemon that were on my PC box and the Pokemon that were on my party. So with that a little sliver of hope, I just went on and messed around with it a little bit. Uh, did some checks according to various guides on the internet. I just mess around until it worked. And lo and behold, the save file is back. I recovered it. Which, by the way, uh, Rick and Alex knew uh, beforehand that this happened because I cried about it in our little chat that we have for the mm -hmm. podcast. So you they, said you had a mishap, they I just going... realized what you meant, and I was like, oh, no. Well, I knew exactly mm -hmm. what you were talking about, because, like, I had gone through this before. I was like, I know what's happening. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was so happy that I recovered, because at this point, at that point in time, when I lost my save initially, I had the pocket blocks to do the, um, the thing that I talked about, like, a couple of weeks ago. Where I duplicated my save, I used my boyfriend's um, what's the name of the thing? Uh, Omega Drive, whatever it's called, the flashcard for the GBA. Oh, okay. uh, yeah. Yeah. I can't connected. think of the name of it, but yeah. Yeah, connected sorry, both on. of the. Oh, sorry. No, 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 I'm telling you to go on. This is oh going God, straight out of the edit. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was Oops. more Canadian than anything I've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> no, no, you go. No, 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 you go. No, no, no you go. <laughs> oh my god! So I connected the both of the GBAs, and it was very weird having like the duplicate uh, save because there was it was the same exact party of both of them. But anyway, I. Uh, made the Pokeblocks, I fed my Fivas 
Marina, all the Pokebooks in the world, the Indigo Pokebooks in the world, and managed to uh, max out its beauty and uh, make her evolve into a Mybotic. So that crusade is over. Now what? Um, mm -hmm. Then I went to train a little bit my Pokemon because they were a little bit under level. They still are. They still are. And travel evolved into freedom. So now I have like all the HM slaves. I mean, I, all the HM just in my party without having to resort to an HM slave. Um, a little bit later, I got the HM eight for dive. And this one was another uh, one of those that you can miss because I actually went through like the whole C portion of of uh, Hoenn and didn't realize that I missed like one house after a certain event to be able to get dive. So I had to look up a guide who was like, hey, I've been there before. Oh, but I have to go there after the feeding. I think it was Team Magma that was like whooping around there. So I got dive, so I was able to chase the other team, Team Aqua, to the Seafloor Cavern, and lo and behold, they woke up Kyogre, and then I had to go to um, the Sky Pillar to get Rayquaza to, to make them stop, pretty much. So that's one uh, story thread over in Pokemon Emerald. Uh, so in Stopolis, I <coughs> went to get uh, the HM for Waterfall after stopping the other two. And went to the Stopolis gym, which by the way, it's all covered in ice, but the gym itself, like the trainers all have water Pokemon, so I don't know. And also, okay, so Let's recap a little bit. We have um, Flannery from the uh, Fire-type team. We have Winona from the Flying-type team. And then we have Juan. Juan. Just Juan. From the Water-type team. You don't and need more like, than that. Just Juan. Yeah, the, the thing is that every other... Oh my god. Why? <sighs> why, Rick? Every other uh, gym leader up to that point has a name like based on the type they're representing. Like Watson, like, like what's but Watson, or like, um, Norman from the normal type team, then, and then you have Juan. Sorry, but it it, it is stupidly funny to me for some reason, but I don't know. It's it's also like a more, like, it doesn't fit with the rest because it's more like uh like a Latin American name or like a Spanish name or anything but a name that like fits with the rest of them. So it was kind of funny. Sorry for all the Juans in the, wor in the world out there. Um, I have a friend uh, named Juan. He's amazing. But I was going to say, there's a lot of Juans. But, I, I taught a lot of Juans this year. <laughs> yeah, but, but nice still like... Oh, stop it. I knew that was coming. I knew you couldn't stop at Juan. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Juan up. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm sitting this one out. Hey! Oh, God, this is never going to end. 
anyway, so right now I'm just training my team before the Elite Four because I'm like at that point in the game right now. I have all eight matches, so hopefully I have this one finished by. Oh my god, that's terrible. I have the this one finished by um uh by next week. Hopefully. So right now the team is Mango the Swampert, Cotton Deltaria, Lemonade David Brava, Naraka the Gardevoir, Marina the Mailoric, and Truffle the Realm. Um until the next game, had a full boyfriend. Um actually like in the second round of the game. Which is, I forgot the name of this, but John, that is the. Let me check real quick my notes. Did I not write the name down? Uh, Nageki. Yeah, Nageki. Which is the top at library. And the, the way you enter their route is just um, like befriending him by. Uh, working at the library because you could uh, join a club activity or like work somewhere in the in the school like the infirmary or the library. So I went to the library because why not? And yeah, I'm I'm just at the start it's, uh, of this route, so I have not a lot to say, but I do remember more than a little bit of this route. Anyway, um, and the last game that I just started. Or just restart because it is a childhood game. It is Warcraft 3 The Reign of Chaos. And oh my gosh, this brings back memories. Because I was pretty much addicted to this game to Warcraft 3 uh, Reign of Chaos and the Frozen Throne. And I'm currently on the uh, tutorial of the game that is the Prologue Campaign, The Exodus of the Earth. Uh, very much like more or less like in chasing visions of departures, right? They're like the the very start of the of the Exodus of the Art thing. And the thing is, is that I had to install it digitally because um I realized that I was able to download it directly. Like I had the game physical and I uh like activated the keys on the Blizzard uh Battlenet page. And since then, I've been able to download the game uh, digitally. And because of that, I kind of like have Warcraft 3 Reforge, but I don't have it. Like I have the launcher for it. And like the selection for the chapters is like Reforge, but everything else, like the cinematics, the graphics, the audio, the everything is the original Warcraft 3 experience. And I love it. So, uh, I was actually uh, split between saying I'm playing Reforge, but I'm not really playing Reforge because it's not the Reforge. Whatever. It is Warcraft 3, and I love it. Last time I played it, though, that was a while ago when I first played the campaign, I didn't finish it. I actually uh, was like in the first third of the Frozen Throne campaign, mm -hmm. um, which is the Sentimental campaign. And I don't remember much of it. What I do remember, like very clearly, is up to the um, human undead campaign. I think it was, yeah, it was the human campaign because it it is 
so fucking iconic and it is such an important uh part of the Warcraft like universe I'm gonna say because it is where the the frozen king uh came from um uh, the, their story I think is, is expanded or like the frozen Greek world war of Warcraft thing. But whatever whatever. Enough of me nerding out about uh I don't know how many years how many years old this game is. But enough of me nerding out about it. For now. Next week is gonna be a different story. Hmm. So Rick, no, Alex. Rick already said their piece. <laughs> I was gonna say I was so like, Alex. I think Rick's already talked. Uh yeah. yeah. So I um, I'll go again then. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't played a lot more Star Wars Jedi. Um uh Jedi Survivor. I'm still playing it. It's still great. Um it's just I haven't really been like sitting at my TV a lot. Basically, I started um teaching online again for the summer because like my job that I thought I lost over the summer suddenly got money and was like, can you teach in the mornings? And I was like, sure. <laughs> um, so just picking up some extra dough that way. Um, but that kind of has like eaten up a little bit more of my time. Plus, you know, wedding prep and everything. Um, it's been a little, uh, it's been a little, little busy here. So I've mostly been playing sort of things that I can do on my PC pretty, you know, quickly or easily or, Stuff that I can sort of sit in front of the TV with my partner and, and play. Um, so, yeah, Jedi Survivor has kind of gone on the back burner. Um, gonna obviously still play through it and beat it, um, but it's probably gonna take a little longer. Definitely won't be beaten before the end of this uh, this podcast, I'll say that much. <laughs> um, uh, I did start Transiruby, though. Transiruby, Transiruby. I think that's what I'm going to call it. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to say it. Give me that. This is one that I... Because isn't this by the makers of Chemico? Is that the, is that the ones who... Maybe? It certainly is. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. So I remember we played um, this uh, demo in a Steam Next Fest like a long time ago. Um, and I really, really, really dug that demo. Like I, there was something about the like feel of the, the characters and like the the trying to find these um, little, you know, diamondy things um, that you're looking for throughout, which is a terrible way of describing it, but you essentially look for little chips um, that you have to get in the, the levels. <clears throat> and there's basically, I think there's four worlds that you go through. I'm only on the third mm -hmm. one right now. At least my map shows four. There might be more. I don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a little Metroidvania. Um where like you bit like, I know Rick Rick's been sort of saying that it's like sort of not but like it's literally a Metroidvania I don't know <laughs> like it, it's it's pretty damn linear that's the thing yeah but I all Metroidvanias like pretend that they're not linear but they're all linear because they lock off where you can go and that's the same with this game where it's like you yeah. develop upgrades but you have to backtrack to go to different areas and then there are secrets hidden throughout that you can unlock so like I don't know now I will agree with you that it's it's certainly on the scale of linearity to like non-linearity with Metroidvanias, it certainly skews closer to linearity. It reminds me a bit of Guacamelee, which is like, I would argue pretty linear in its progression systems where it's like, you know what I mean? Like you unlock a thing, it destroys the type of block that's getting you in the way, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. Um, so I, I think they're both transparent in different ways. Guacamelee absolutely yeah. is just like colored block, colored hole. Yeah. But it, it it's more of a, a totally open map that you're going across and back and across and back. Trans Ruby is very much, although you can technically go back to all the old places, there's a couple of very, very minor reasons you might. Otherwise, it's basically a linear curve through, as I remember I thought, it. I, 
I find you have to go back to the other places a lot. Like they're usually making you jump back and forth between the worlds a fair bit. Maybe I'm misremembering. I feel like it, it when I played it, I got the feeling it was a linear platformer. Mm. Yeah, okay. With a semi-open structure. But that... I, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here, really. That's fair. Yeah. Any, anyway, anyway. Look, I'll just say that my experience so far is that there's a lot of backtracking in this. Um, and um, they give you little shortcuts to sort of jump through that. Is this a great game? Like, I, I don't know. Like, not really. But, like, it really hits this, like, itch for me that's really nice. Where, like, it, I will say it controls very well. Like, it is yes. smooth as shit. And, like, you land exactly where you want to land. Like, that's one thing I will say for it. Um, it's also, like, it's not hard, like, combat-wise. You know, like, it, not at all, really. Uh, because literally they give you this weapon where you can freeze an enemy and instant kill it. Which is awesome, because there's a trade-off where it's, like, you can either, because if you do that, you have a chance to get health back. Um, whereas if you don't, if you just kill them normally, you get this sort of green... Um, power up that actually allows you to shoot that gun to then kill things um enemies also respawn after you just like move like it parallax scrolls so like once you move away and come back the enemies are back so you're never like you're never too far away from the resources you need essentially um the the chips that you're collecting are not optional it's like you have to get all of them the map is very clear i remember when we played the demo where i actually wasn't sure i loved the map but I think there might have been a feature that they either added or I didn't realize you could do where like you can press a button and the map can either be totally blank or if you press a button, it overlays all of the terrain on it, um, which I was like, oh, fuck, that's helpful. Because <laughs> uh, I was like, nice. And they have a bunch of different things. Like it's like one part of the map will show you where all the chips are. Um, and whenever you enter a new area, it's just like, here's where they all are. Um, not exactly where, but like, you know, the the, you know, approximate block that they're in. Uh, here's where all the transporters are. Here's where all the like fast travel locations are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I have definitely had to um, look at a walkthrough. And, like there's no real walkthroughs, but I just looked at a long play once just to get an idea of like, where do I got to go here? Um, there was one particular area that I got tripped up in and it was when they introduced like two new worlds that I started to get a little like, huh? Because it's not clear that you actually have to go back um, at first because for a long time, and this actually might be sort of what you're talking about, Rick. For the first sort of opening, um, by the time you get to the second world, the game has really functioned on this, like, keep moving forward, you'll find what you need. Um, and then it hits a very sudden, actually, no, you need to go back and look for things. When you get a new power-up, you should actually go back and figure things out because so a lot of times what you need is going to be in an older location. Once I got that in my brain, now everything has moved forward very smoothly and it hasn't been that challenging because it's like, oh, I get it. If I'm missing something, just go look at it back in the other place that I've been. It'll be fine. Um, and so now, now I've been okay. Like at this point now I'm in the third world and I've been just moving fine and I haven't really needed to look up anything. Um, it definitely relies a lot on your uh, memory of where you are and like what's going on. Um, you really have to like map out in your mind what, how these places connect and uh, intersect. Um, you get some pretty cool upgrades. Some of them are like fairly straightforward, but there are a number of them actually that I did not expect that I was like, oh shit, that's actually pretty cool. Like you can turn into a freaking motorcycle, uh, which is very fun uh, and just zip across everything. I often forget I can do it. And I'm like, I gotta keep doing this because it's fun and fast. Um, so yeah, like, is it a perfect Metroidvania? Certainly not. Um, 
like Rick is right that it definitely skews. And I, I suppose, so like, it's not linear in the sense that you're not going from point A to point B. Like, don't put that in your brain because you'll fuck yourself up. But it is linear in the sense that like, did it get, but this is kind of like all Metroidvanias. Well, I guess, okay, where a game like Metroid can sequence break, right? I don't think you can do that in this. Um, maybe you can, and I just don't know how, but I don't think it's possible. It has some pretty hard checks in it. And that's where it's more like Guacamole, where it's like, there are just things that you just cannot get through, and you're just going to have to complete these zones to do that. Um, I don't think it detracts from the game, but I think it's something that is important to know getting into it, that like this is the type of Metroidvania experience that you're in for. Um, it's mm. beautiful. It's very pretty. Um, and I really, I don't know. I really like it. it. It's like, it's hitting this, um, this itch that I've had with Metroidvanias where it's like, I want something that's like not overly complex, but also not, um, so brain dead that I'm like, just like, kind of like, you know, trudging from one place to the next. And that's what this game is sort of, uh, hitting for me. Um, music's fun though. Honestly, I don't often play listening to it that much just because I have it on my switch light and I'm just kind of watching TV. I've been watching the bear actually this season two, which is so fucking good. <laughs> uh, but I'll play this while watching and, uh, yeah, good game. Anyway, scratch his niche. I think you put it perfectly when you said yes. it that way. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Right. It's not a game that I would like shout from the rooftops and be like, everybody has to go play this. It's just more like a thing where I'm like, this is exactly what I needed right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that kind of game. Um, yeah. Uh, not to like shit on the devs, right? Like they did a good job. Like uh, it's just that it's not like, I think even they knew what they're making. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it does not overextend its reach at all. It knows exactly what it is and it executes on that. Um, okay. Uh, last game that I started, this one actually reminded me, because you were talking about the... Uh, Art style of some goddamn game you're playing. I don't know which one it was. Maybe it was, uh, um, was it nuts? I don't know. Like, oh, you're muted, Rick. What was it? You're muted. Um, Sword of the Vagrant. Sword of the Vagrant. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So Tales of Iron. Uh, Think of Tales of Iron is like um, 2D Dark Souls if Dark Souls was Redfall. (laughs) That's like what if people remember Redfall. Do you remember Redfall? Okay. I I wish I didn't remember Redfall, but let's take a couple of steps back. There's a lot to unpack there. (laughs) It's it's 2D Dark Souls, but with rats um, and animals, (laughs) anthropomorphic animals in a medieval grungy setting. Uh, Grungy setting. Basically. Where does Redfall come into any of that? Well, Redfall is all about rats in a medieval setting. And there's Redfall. lots of death. Red, red. You're the thinking, vampire game that's just oh, came out. You're thinking of a different one. Um, there's multiple oh, Redfalls. Yeah, unless I'm doing the wrong. Uh, oh shit! No, 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 no! It's not Redfall. Damn it! What is it called? Red Wall. Dishonored. Red Wall. Red. That's it. Oh. Okay. Not Redfall. Sorry. Red Wall. Red Wall. Um, uh, have you heard of this one? They're they're early child sort of fantasy novels um, that were like. Oh, wildly yes, I violent. Do know exactly what you mean. They're, they're like rats, but they go sailing. It's like weird. Yeah. Yeah, and like yeah, they're yeah. they're medieval rats, right? And they're like, um, there's like all these fights and stuff, and um, uh, yeah, there's like wizards and like everything. Brian Jack. Yeah, yeah, I do know what yeah. you're talking about. Sorry, yeah, and, Jesus. And that analogy really makes a little bit more sense now. Yeah, yeah, that should make a lot more. Yeah, that should make a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, honestly, it feels like. Yeah. 
because Redwall was already like kind of intense, to be honest. Like it dealt with some pretty high, uh, like some pretty intense themes for a children's fantasy for children's series. novels. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this one, it's just like imagine if you grew up playing reading Redwall, and then we're like, why don't we just fully lean into the horrific uh, medieval aspect of this? And that's what it does. Um, it's pretty fun so far. Uh, basically, it, it, it's it's very much. Like, I think the 2D combat I particularly like because it simplifies Dark Souls' combat a bit uh, in a very satisfying way. It's harder to sneak attack somebody when you're on a 2D plane. Um, And uh, basically, you are, like, the youngest son to this rat king who has, like, created peace for, like, decades um, against these toads. And the toads come... Or maybe they're frogs. No, they're toads, I think. Anyway these toads come and they like in the game, you like do this fun tutorial where like you have all this armor and stuff and you're like, you're, you're battling your brother who is heir to prove that you're actually worthy of the, the, the the crown. And you, uh, you come in and you fucking, you know, you, you beat your brother. Who's a good job, man. And then these toads come and just fucking murk your dad. And like the King's dead. And like, they just burn down the kingdom and like you're left for dead. And so when you wake up, you've got no armor and now you have to figure out what to do. There's like side quests and stuff and you're going through and uh it's it's metroidvania ask i think um in the sense that it has this sort of map but it leans more into the combat side of things than the puzzling side of things um though there's definitely areas that are sort of blocked off because clearly you're going to need something in order to do that a lot of keys and stuff to unlock things uh, less um like upgrade uh metroidvania more like like unlocking paths kind of thing um so hmm. Maybe more on the Vania side of things, actually. That's what I would say. It's like taking a Castlevania inspiration um, along with um, um, Dark Souls' combat stylings. And when I say that, I mean the sense that there are rolls and parries and, and, and blocks. Like That's kind of like the way it works, where it's like you really have to time your combat, mechan- your combat very carefully. Um, you have to consider how heavy your equipment is because it'll encumber you. Um, it's uh it does give you though and this is something i do appreciate it gives you sort of the arkham um warning signs so like yellow attacks are ones that you can parry really easily red attacks it's like get the fuck out of there dude um like you're not gonna be able to do that uh so so far i'm i'm quite digging it honestly it's pretty cool um it has a fun narrator who's like sort of you know going through the story um explaining what's happening to your little medieval rat um Beautiful art style. Very gorgeous 2D uh, art work. Um, yeah, I recommend it. I think it, was it in that bundle? I don't know. It was in a recent bundle on Fanatical, actually. Um, Fanatical has a bundle that I'm sure is actually still going on um, because I think it was their, uh, their like, um, oh, shit, the Complete Dread X collection's on sale, which people should get, by the way, because I'm going to get it because that's a good collection. Um, is that the PlayStation Horror one? Not PlayStation Horror. That's the one where it's like they they get a bunch of developers to make uh, horror games and they put them all in a collection mm-hmm. and they're all. That's on... what I'm thinking about. Oh oh, is that PlayStation? Oh, you mean PlayStation like the aesthetic? Is that what you're thinking? Mm, yeah, it's like PSX sort of aesthetic. Yes. Okay. Yes. 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 Um, yeah. It's currently six fifty nine CAD, which means it's probably only like a couple pounds. Um, so mm. uh, I recommend that because I've played one of them. And speaking of PlayStation, I know with PS Plus, there's a very good chance you've redeemed Tales of Iron because it was on there recently. Yeah, probably, actually. Um, 
in the in, when it comes to their bundles, I believe it's in their platinum collection. Yes, it's in their platinum collection for July, uh, which was really good. I actually got that Tales of Iron. I got Garden Story. Severed Steel is in that one too, which is like fucking Ooh, dope. Banger. Yeah, yeah. I, I already beat it, so I didn't get that one. But uh, I got uh, Tales of Iron, Garden Story, and Floppy Knights because I want all of them. And uh, it's a very good uh, platinum. I haven't bought something off fanatical in a long time but that was one where i was like oh shit okie dokie <laughs> <laughs> it's like i am in uh so anyway that's tales of iron uh very cool game uh highly recommend so with that being said why don't we move right along to our topic of the week which i thought it could be just kind of fun to talk a little bit about ai in games and more specifically the ai that we've been talking about um in the recent that's been in the news in recent years uh our, our recent months essentially um and what prompted my thinking of this was like steam um had to put out sort of a statement on their with their policy on ai in games um and i'm we're, like you know we've talked i think before a little bit on the ethics of of a of like you know artificial intelligence and whatnot and like realistically we're not we are neither ethicists or, um, <laughs> you know, computer programmers or AI engineers. So, like, I don't know. Speak for yourself. Um, yeah, are you an AI engineer? Speak <laughs> for <laughs> I'm whatever I want to be, Alex. You're whatever you want. <laughs> sure. You guys aren't AI engineers. Give me a break. You're a computer scientist, though, Paolo. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, that, that sort of stuff aside... Um, because I think, you know, at the end of the day, we can debate to the cows come home, but we're not the decision makers. What I do think might be interesting to talk about is what we sort of think might be our kind of like pie in the sky uses of this, which Paolo, you might even have, I think, a pretty interesting thoughts on this, um, in terms of like how AI could really, uh, benefit games, uh, versus what we think in our sort of capitalist hellscape that we live in is the likely reality of how AI will be used, uh, in games. Um, so yeah, I thought we'd, we'd go there, which um, maybe to start, I'll give like a, a quick little thing of what I would love to see. Um, when I like when I think about like, and again, because I guess it's interesting because we used to always talk about AI. I mean, literally on our podcast, we talked about AI in games as in like the artificial intelligence that runs the uh, non-player characters, right? Like mm. that has been what we call AI for so long, which was probably a mislabeling of it in general anyways, right? Like, yeah. I feel like the way, I mean, to be frank, the current usage of the words AI is also, I would say, a mislabeling in a lot of cases, right? Like ChatGPT and stuff where you're like, all right, word predicting software is not AI, but fine. <laughs> um, but that's what, you know, tech companies, they have to, they want to hype things up and make things sound like something that, you know, we understand um or you know consumers understand uh but when i think of like these sort of ai uh generation tools the word predictive software i don't feel um i'm not sure is going to be something that useful for games um it might be very useful for say like if you're creating a massive rpg it could be a really useful thing for populating a ton of npc dialogue that you then edit um, but mm. I also think that it's so, um, imprecise and like, maybe if we learn how to train it on a bunch of games, <laughs> it could work, but also that dialogue's not great. Right. So it's kind of like, you're like, I don't know where it fits, but I feel like AI image generation, um, 
is something that could be extremely useful, particularly in the world of textures, right? Um, and I think we already have seen like AI upscaling happening for like mods and whatnot. Um, and that's something that like, you know, I can see designers being worried about, you know, losing jobs and whatnot. But like if this was put into the hands of the designers to allow them to facilitate the grunt work, right, of like making textures that who cares about so they can then focus on the cooler, more specific things. It's like that to me would be like the best case use. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Paula? Um, I mean, there's many ways you could use uh, like AI that generates content, but all of the ways that it could be interesting, I think um, there are already games that are being made in this way. Um, like uh, there are like kind of like chat games where they're like I don't know if multiple endings, but the uh, the AI is used to always give you a different experience where you play. Though I'm not sure how different it is from just using ChatGPT, but whatever. Um, the thing with AI is that right now, in a way, it can do um, uh, very impressive things right now. But since it can't, like, quite generate content without having something as an input to generate from, there, there's still like a lot of limitations because, like, a company if they can want to use an AI legally, they have to train it with their own assets, like their own copyrighted assets. Otherwise, they would like kind of cross the line where the copyright infringement could like there are already countries that uh, say that um, AI is kind of like copyright infringement or like they are like getting to that weird territory where they are infringing copyright but not quite because they're using the copyrighted material to train them but the 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 result is not like copyrightable in a way but anyways um i've actually uh because of one uh of a thing i'm working on like i got uh, contracted to make a web page like one of the one of the people there actually asked me hey can you use like chat gpt to write the code for for the web page like in this side of the web page and i'm like you know what it's difficult because the way that ChatGPT writes code um it is i guess proficient on python but uh if you ask it to uh make a piece of code for let's say let's say a web page it will generate i don't know the html but it doesn't really have the autonomy to say hey you're also gonna need the javascript or like the the Python bits because the page is in Django and stuff like that. So it has its limitations in the sense that it doesn't see the bigger picture. It just generates work like ChatGPT, especially it just generates uh, word for word. And the way it works is kind of like interesting because it kind of like has this all of these words like connected in in a way, and like they kind of predict like what is the most um, possible, like the word with the highest probability to each on next 
based on all the material is red. And I don't know, it has like, it is crazy. Like I, I saw a thing of how it actually works and it has like over a hundred thousand, no, 12, over 12,000 um, uh, dimensions I consider to make the calculations and it is stupid. And anyway. I th the bottom line is that I think we sort of hit on the fallacy of the question when we recognize that chat GPT isn't intelligence. It's yeah. only working one word at a time. And that, in spite of that, it can do so much is fascinating and incredible. But at the same time, it, it is way less capable than, than plenty of people would like to think. All of that said, I think if we put the, the technical realities of the situation to one side, the grunt work is probably where we want to see that being implemented. So I think of like animations for trees swaying in the wind, generic MPC sort of movement animations. Um, I think texture work was a good point. Um, but also more than that, I think in terms of um, open worlds and placement and things like that, one of the the minor shames of the the previous generation of consoles is that all of the talk of harnessing the power of the cloud was just bluster. And I think actually using yeah. AI to integrate what's going on there would be magical. Interesting sidebar on that, what Star Citizen is trying to do um, is create situations where it can cluster servers together in such a way that it can overcome what would ordinarily be technical limits to the seamless, open, expansive universe they're trying to aim for. I won't pretend to actually understand the specifics, but um, if AI can be involved in making those barriers irrelevant, I think that's a huge thing. I think one of the other things that it can do is like snippets of code for a very specific actions or at the least like save time on it, especially ChatGPT mm -hmm. 4. Like three, it's still like, it can write code, but it won't write the prettiest thing. ChatGPT uh, 4 kind of is very worthy in the sense of it is very verbose. Like it likes to, to talk about how it did the thing. But um, it's also an interesting tool to make like, like the more, I guess, the, a base for the code like to work on. And I think that that's an interesting one in terms of um, being a tool to take some of that grunt work away. Ubisoft were in the headlines recently for talking about wanting to use that tool for NPC dialogue as a means of um, either giving writers a jumping off point or taking, taking that work out of their hands entirely so that they can focus on the core um, storyline. How do we feel about that? I feel a bit icky personally. Yeah, yeah, it feels weird. Like in the way of like you take away the more organic writing in the way. If you get what I mean, because um, when you're writing up uh, a character, for example, you have to think of the background, how they talk, how they what make them talk in a certain way, like the, the entire context of it. So yeah. 
uh, I think uh, using AI in, a, in that way, it could make like it feel less organic. And also it's just like, I don't know, like each creative person has their own workflow. So maybe for some it would work, for others it wouldn't. Like, I don't know. What do you think, Alex? You, you're actually more in the writing scene, like more familiar, familiar. Oh my God. You're more used to it. Well, it's doomed. Like it's not a thing that will work now. What I think is going to happen, and this is where the capitalist sort of realist side of me comes into this. Um, I'm they're already. I'm certain they're already doing this. Like they've already been doing this for a while, like using sort of predictive models to create templates and whatnot. I mean, this is part of why the Writers Guild of America is on strike, right? Like this is a yep. thing that like they're really like companies are going to really try to use. Um, but what I think is real realistically going to occur is that companies are going to try to do this, um, and it's going to be bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's bad. It's just not good. Like, because the mm -hmm. writing that these models provide can sometimes be okay. Um, but if you rely on them entirely, it becomes noticeable. Now, if a company decides to say, I don't know, um, put in this type of writing um, in NPCs and then cash on the fact that they sound sort of meme -y and stupid, um, that could be successful for a company as a one-off, right? Um, I think more realistically, what we're going to see is that, yeah, some of these models might become kind of a thing for jumping off point, but most companies are going to quickly realize this doesn't help and doesn't assist after a few things tank. But instead, what I'm, I fear is going to happen is we're going to see an explosion in shitty AI generated games, which we've already seen this type of explosion um, with like, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's already coming. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, the writing's on the goddamn wall. Like, we're going to have so many games being pummeled out that are just, like, borderline um, unplayable but have all of this dialogue and all this shit thrown into them um, through AI generation. Um, so long as the only way that I think they could sort of stop this is if more regulations are created that require you to disclose what sort of AI you use. But even then, I think you're going to see a lot of it. It's just because, like... From a writing side of things, like the big issue with these word predictive softwares is that they can never create anything new per se, right? Which is not actually a problem. Most human art and writing is some kind of, you know, not like regurgitation, but like remixing on something that has come before, right? Like that's Evolution, not revolution, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the problem is that ChatGPT can never, and like text predictive software, a true and artificial intelligence is a whole other goddamn ballgame, which I think we're actually probably in our lifetimes going to see artificial intelligence hit the ground. Um, we're certainly getting damn close. Like some of, even ChatGPT4, like I am a pretty big skeptic of this software. Um, you know, I have people telling me like, oh, you know, it's going to like revolutionize all this shit. And I was like, yeah, we said that about everything and it'll change things. The world is changing for sure. Like we're entering into a new, a new world at this point, right. With, with, um, a new reality, which is this, this kind of software. Um, I won't deny that it, it is new. Um, but I'm not entirely sure it's going to change the way like that drastically, the ways in which we interface with, um, these sort of, um, jobs and whatnot. Right. Um, which might be sort of like a 
high flute kind of way of going through this, but it's like, I think of it this way. Look at what happened to the internet, right? The internet is this thing where we're like, it'll revolutionize the world. And it did. Um, did it become this big, free, wonderful thing? No, it's this horrifyingly capitalistic um, nightmare where like everything is owned by everyone. Like think about what's in the news right now, right? Threads is in the news because you get um, two fucking billionaires who own like half of the world's social media at this point um, fighting with one another. And you're like, this dude owns just like all of social media. And then the crazy part is that people flock to it, right? Which I think is like the extra insane thing. So I know this seems like maybe a tangent, but like bringing it back to the way AI, I think is going to be implemented in games. I think that, um, you know, I see so many beautiful potentials for it, but I think realistically, um, video game developers, I think, are need to goddamn well unionize because anything that can, like, you know, cut corners and cut costs, especially in the video game world, wherein it rakes in so much money, I think is going to get exploited hard. And when I look at AI right now, and especially that word predictive software, like you said, where it's going to be bad, but like ultimately it's not great already anyway. Um, and if that can shrink, uh, projects and we already can see that games at the moment are hitting a bit of a, like they're hitting a crisis point, frankly, where they cost a lot of goddamn money and it's hard to get them out on a timeline that makes any kind of sense. And they're not like game development time is not getting shorter, right? <laughs> like it's just getting no. bigger. And um, like think about how long it took Starfield to come out and think about Elder Scrolls six. Now that's probably a half a decade, maybe a decade away. Right. Like um, you can imagine that um, large studio execs are probably getting pretty fucking tempted by um, the idea of, you know, using these sort of generative softwares to shorten dis uh um, development times and the worst part is that i like to think that we wouldn't accept it right that we would be against all of this but like we've accepted loot boxes and microtransactions it's coming um mm. you know what i mean like all the shit that you think would be horrendous no people bought it because they want these things because because game not they don't want the microtransactions and all that shit I, i'd argue that most people don't want them but we do want to play games and uh, we don't have a lot, we don't have actually that much choice as to like where we get those games from, right? Um, because ultimately the video game market tends to um, kind of agree on what everybody's going to do together, right? Um, do they, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like it's a monopoly per se. It's just that like, even look at the FTC trial that just happened, right? Big news, Microsoft won in the US. Um, uh, that just came down today. Um, because we tend to forget that Sony has a crazy market share when it comes to video games, right? Like there's really like a couple companies that have this massive market share. Um, and so I think that ultimately, um, give it a couple years, hell, there's no transparency with AI. We may have already had word um, predictive software being used in games. Um, and ultimately, if I can't notice it, cool. But when we suddenly get a stream of games where with just shit that just sounds a little off, um, it's just going to kind of open the floodgates. And again, like I said, if like ChatGPT4 is pretty good, but it does rely on you providing inputs. Um, so like, I don't know. 
if it can be really useful and actually produce content that is honestly indistinguishable from what somebody has written, um, maybe it's fine, right? But I, my only concern is just um, the individuals who are creating said work. As long as they're not being let off and they're allowed to divert their attention to other things uh, to improve games and help game development be less of a slog, I'm so happy. Realistically, I see them just being axed to make budgets smaller. Um, you know, that's the that's that that's my two cents on it. I don't know. That was a lot of stuff. What do you <laughs> throw it back in you, at you guys? I feel like my thoughts on this are very underdeveloped. Quite like the technology. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I have too much to throw back. As underwhelming as that is, that's fine. I don't know. What What do you think, Paula? I don't know. In my opinion, I feel like it's gonna go the capitalistic way and yeah. try, and people are gonna like companies are gonna try to make a budget smaller and try to generate content. I don't know if a game can entirely like be generated by just AI without like a person unifying everything so it doesn't fall apart. Yeah. So I don't feel like there's like. I don't feel like it's going to be like with AI art where the internet has been flooded to the point of, hey, is this really art or is it re uh, AI art? So mm -hmm. I feel like at the very least in the video game scene, since games have like multiple kinds of art going on for them, for them um, it's going to be more difficult to try to flood the market like with AI generated games. I agree. With uh, that. I still feel like people are, are gonna try, but I don't think it's gonna be as big as uh, AI art. Yeah, I like that though. Yeah, you're right. They're definitely gonna try, right? Like, <laughs> I think that's sadly something we can agree on. Um, most of these companies will try fucking anything once. Um, I mean, but think about it too, right? They all jumped on the uh, NFT train and that didn't go so hot. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah, the question is, is this a grift or is this legit, right? And I think you're right, Rick, that it's still maybe a bit too early to even know if this is something that um, has legs to it, right? Like, does this technology mm -hmm. actually have um, what it what is needed to... Uh, um, to really revolutionize the gaming space, or is this just kind of a tech bro fad, right? Um, which, let's be real, we've seen a lot of those. Um, and we've also seen a lot of companies try to jump into gaming um, and fail spectacularly because uh, it's a pretty, gaming is pretty complicated. And a lot of people have tried to make shortcuts. I'm thinking of you, Google Stadia, um, <laughs> and think they understand what is sort of needed in this world, um, and they never do. So I don't know. I, I, I'm like slightly optimistic, but then also terrified, uh, which maybe that's a good place to be. <laughs> mm. uh, anything else? I think that I think we've sort of exhausted the topic a little. Uh, I think I've exhausted what I have to give to the topic. Yeah, same. Nice. What do you all I, mean, think? I could talk about AI all day, but that's not what this is about. So yeah, I mean, me too. I just think it's fascinating. Um, but it enters into the world of speculative science fiction, which is not what we're here about today. Uh, what we are here for, though, is...
long to beat the game. Uh, what a beautiful a, segue that was. It's my turn. That was pretty good, right? I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of that one. Uh, it is I'm my turn uh, today. So you all, and actually scores wise, it's, uh, oh yeah, Rick and I are tied at 22 each and Powell is at 18, which means really this is very much anybody's game. Um, but whose game in, uh, specifically is it? We will find out. And more importantly, what game specifically are we going to be guessing the times for? You're going to be guessing... Didn't we already do this one? Did we already do Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I think we did. If in doubt, switch it out. Um, okay, let's see. I feel like... No, that's... No. Um, no, we've done so many of these. Um, oh my god. It's just feeding me Fire Emblems. <laughs> we've just... We, and like, a bunch of Fire Emblems we've already done. God. It, now, here's the problem. We've been doing this for so long now that uh, a lot of these games we've done already. Mm. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, my God. No, we can't do this one. No, that doesn't work. Um, <clears throat> well, there's... Okay, just to give you transparency, it was FIFA 14, but FIFA 14 is just, like, all lumped together into single player. It doesn't even have a breakdown um, ah. of, of different, okay. um, different games. But this one I actually think is interesting and we can do, and that is Final Fantasy X. Not Ooh, the remastered. This okay. is just straight Final Fantasy X. OG. OG. Baby. That's right. Um, so yeah, just, just the original Final Fantasy X on the PS2. Um, and in terms of what I want you to tell me about it, um, let's see. <laughs> yeah, before I scroll down the Wikipedia page. Oh, interesting. Okay. How many people do you think um, are currently playing this game right now? Currently playing. Yeah. And not the remastered one, none of that stuff. Like, just currently playing Final Fantasy X. Wait, how different mm. is the... Is Final Fantasy X versus Final Fantasy X HD? No idea. Oh, is in in terms of content, there is no yeah. difference. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, you have options, I believe, to speed up combat. You have options to change the difficulty in the battle um, encounter rate and certain other things on the fly. Um, Content-wise, it's identical. I think it's literally just um, updated models and textures. Uh, okay, so... You know what? I changed my mind. I, I'm going to so, give you a slightly different bonus category because I think this one's actually more interesting. How many people have beat, have logged this as like completed on PlayStation 2? Ooh, just on PlayStation And the original okay. platform. Yeah, on the original platform. That's what I, that's what I'm, I, I want to know. I'm curious. Wait, you said you could speed up combat on the remake. Yeah, but we're not looking at the remake. We're looking at the original, so it's not very much. Yeah, but like a while ago, while I was logging in my Final Fantasy games from on this on how to beat, 
Mm-hmm. Ha! You I did this did one. Take a look. I did this one because I I do have it like lying around like for Vita, mm-hmm. and I just realized that's like it's gonna be longer because you can't speed up the time on the original. Maybe possibly. My times are all in pile and no pressure. No, no pressure at all. But you know, a bit of hmm. pressure, clearly. <laughs> uh, where the hell is how long? I mean, not how long. Uh, where the hell is this card? Mm. Pala with the sneaky sneak. Pala is a very sneaky sneaky. Where is Alex? <laughs> there is Alex. Okay. Um. So the extra question was, I forgot. Um, uh, how many uh, people have beaten this on PlayStation 2? Okay. Um, All righty. Almost there. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm still here. I know, I know, I know. It's okay. Okay. Who will get it right? Uh, Only time will tell. Uh, how many how many people have we didn't see some places? Okay, I'm just gonna go. Just take a guess, cause that's all this game is about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There you go. Alrighty, it was I got Alex, it right, right. Yeah. Yeah, you said it to me. Well, it doesn't matter at this point. Um. Okay. So let's see here. Oh, I, I can never figure out a good way to do this on my screen. It's just too. Discord's too big. Uh. Okay. So. Um. Oh, wow. I saw one of Paola's old posts, and I thought that was her current one, where it said, like, Maine was nine hours, and I was like, Jesus, really? But that was an old one. <laughs> <laughs> Paola's actual time is 44 hours for Maine's story, um, and Rick has said 48 hours. Interesting. Uh, you both get it, because the main time Ooh. was 46 hours, so you two cut <laughs> oh, it God. right down the middle. Oh, my God. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, literally directly down the middle. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, both get a point for that one. Um, when it comes to uh, main plus, Rick has said 70 hours and Paula said 68 hours and 30 minutes. Interesting. Uh, Rick, mm. you're right on the money though. Main plus is 70 <laughs> hours. So that one's going to go to Rick. Both very close, but Rick was spot on. Um, in terms of uh, 100%, uh, Paula said 130 hours and Rick has said 125 hours. Um, the correct answer for this one, uh, is actually a 147 hours. So that one is going to go to Paolo. So that's two all going into the bonus round. Yeah. So for the bonus round, um, Rick says currently playing, AKA the number who have, uh, said this, uh, I've played this on PlayStation. Um, Rick has said, uh, 2,100, um, and Paolo has said 180, which uh, that's a bit low. <laughs> um, PlayStation 2 launch title. Yeah, PlayStation 2. I mean, this was a game was launched with the PlayStation 2. So the answer is 2,228. 
So that okay. one handily goes to Rick. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I I'll mean, be honest, I thought I'd lowballed it, but... Yeah. I'm going to be honest, 180, <laughs> like, that's not even... I mean, 207 have played this on the Nintendo Switch. So. <laughs> um, the lowest was Wait, 21 on Xbox One. No, it's not. That's people who have labeled this incorrectly because they've they've played the remaster, but they've labeled this one as that. Which I would actually say... I think the HD remaster got a point. Yeah, I sense, actually yeah. think... I think, though, that if you look this up, I, I don't actually know if the remaster is even possible on this because... Yeah, you know what? I don't think you can label X as a remaster because, like you said, it's exactly the same. So the only entry for X, X2 HD remaster is the one that has them combined together. Yeah. Um, so um, this has the yeah, alias of the HD now. one. Yeah, so that's probably why I think it's it's combined because ultimately it would be meaningless to put these in, in a separate category because they would just quite literally be exactly the same. Um, yeah. Well, so, I'm looking at the at the games, like at the at the times, like comparing with the HD remaster, like for the two games combined. And mm-hmm. uh, oh, it shows that the um the main story, like for um for this, is 46 and something hours, and the main story for the two combined is. 51 and something hours unless yeah. oh unless they're counting like but just excess main story. I'm I'm speed certain. ups and X2 shorter. Pretty yeah. sure. And also I'm I'm pretty positive that people probably beat 10 and consider the remaster to be done. Like there are likely some who mm. just do not play the whole thing. Um mm. yeah. you know what I mean? I would not be uh surprised at all if that was the case. Um yeah. You know what I mean? Because I bet you some people can have put in main plus extra. Because if you look at main plus extra, that's 87 hours, which sounds to me a little bit like extra is X2. <laughs> um, yeah. You know? Uh, anyway, highly goddamn rated game, though. 85 on mm. uh, how long to beat. Um, and then the Final Fantasy X has uh, 87. Um, so people remember the laugh and they forget that the game around the laugh was actually very very good i didn't yeah. finish it i played most of the way through as a youngster on uh, on ps2 and it's a really really well done turn-based game there's a lot of um quality of life stuff that was very ahead of its time mm. in that game particularly in its battle system yeah i've never played it um i've i own it on like multiple things <laughs> i just never i believe that yeah um i have like a physical of this one actually that i do mean to play or do i is it a physical of 12 that i have i don't know i think i have this i have this for switch and i had it on playstation 4 but i think i just i think i received it in playstation it might have been in like a ps plus thing or something at some point i don't i don't actually remember buying it um but anyway someday i'll play this he says in vain um (laughs) uh until then though that's been the how long to be podcast uh tune in next week for more of us talking about fucking shit that we're playing. (laughs) Bye-bye! Bye!